Welcome to State of the State, the monthly roundup of policy and research for the state of Michigan, brought to you by the Institute for Public Policy and Social Research at Michigan State University and our friends at WKAR Studios. I'm Arnold Weinfeld, Associate Director for the Institute. Joining me, joining me today is Institute Director, Dr. Matt Grossman, and economist, Dr. Charlie Ballard. Later on, we'll be joined by our guest, Dr. Deborah Horner, who is with the University of Michigan Ford School Center for Local, State, and Urban Policy, where she serves as Senior Program Manager on the Michigan Public Policy Survey Program. Dr. Horner will be, will be discussing recent survey results just released yesterday of local government officials' confidence in election security. And that'll certainly be uh, interesting to hear about that. But Charlie and Matt, always a lot to talk about. Things are always happening. Uh, Charlie, let's start, I guess, with the economy. The Fed has again raised interest rates, sinking my retirement funds even further. Um, what, uh, what's in your crystal ball? Well, the uh, the portion of my crystal ball that thinks that we will have a recession sometime in the next six to nine months, it, that, that is uh, more likely, it seems, because the, uh, the Fed has taken a, a very aggressive approach. Uh, there were some folks who suggested they should take a little pause and see how things go. But uh, Chairman Powell's remarks just a few days ago um, indicate a very hawkish stance on inflation. And, and uh, this, this reminds me of um, 1979-80, when uh, Paul Volcker was the chair of the Federal Reserve, and their, their priority was to stamp out inflation. And if that took a recession, that's uh, a cost that they were willing to bear. And uh, that's kind of the way it looks. I, I, it's not an absolute certainty. Um, but this is a very strong position by the Fed. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens in the next few months. I, I will say that they've already succeeded in taking the steam out of the housing market in the United States. Um, the housing market used to be only a few months ago was white hot and then it was red hot. And now it's kind of cold. Um, housing starts down, housing prices down. Uh, because the the borrowing costs associated with getting a mortgage are are way way up uh, to to levels that we haven't seen in decades, um, the Chinese economy is also slowing down. So um, globally, we we look like um, inflationary pressures are moderating. Um, how much they're moderating, we're not sure. Uh, but but certainly, it's it's not uh, as hot as it was a couple months ago. Um, but along with the moderation of inflation pressures, you're seeing uh, a slowdown in growth. We're not yet in a recession, so far as I can tell, but there's a good chance that could happen at some point in the next uh, six to nine months. Yeah, mortgage interest rates now have almost doubled from historic lows. They're over 6%. Um, but uh, the housing market is only one side of the economy. <laughs> Uh, the job market still seems to be very strong. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, so it, 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 I mean, there are a lot of factors that go into a recession, are there not? Absolutely. That's, it's, uh, it's, it's still a mixed picture. There was uh, some talk when we had two consecutive quarters during which real gross domestic product fell. Some people use a very crude uh, rule of thumb that says that that's a recession, but that's putting way too much weight on one indicator. 
and so far this year we've added uh close to three million jobs in the u.s economy so um it's it's a mixed picture there are some indicators that are still strong um other indicators that are have weakened and um where where that will go uh we're not we're not sure yet uh, now i will say uh, one one thing that is so obvious because it's on great big signs everywhere you go the price of gasoline is down by well over a dollar a gallon below what it was in june and and that's something that uh, a lot of people pay attention to uh and, and so that's one of the reasons why the um uh year over year inflation was down last month um because gasoline had had spiked so high in the summer uh so we'll we'll see uh yeah you're you're absolutely right arnold there's there's just uh when you've got an economy that's made up of 150 million households and 5 or 10 million businesses and open borders with the rest of the world more or less um no single indicator is sufficient to tell us what's going on we have to look at all sorts of things and um see how it goes and we still have a war overseas that now apparently will indeed drag on for is anyone's guess uh how has the world economy or the economy in ge- world economy and the united states economy adjusted to what's going on over a- in europe well, um, lots of ways. Uh, Europe is, of course, scrambling to find enough energy supplies uh, to get through this coming winter. And, and the United States is a part of that scramble. We're, they're building liquefied natural gas uh, terminals. We're providing some of that. One thing that's uh, definitely happened, anytime that there's uh, turmoil on the world scene and the war the war in Ukraine is certainly turmoil on the world scene no question that tends to make investors want to go to safety and uh, the U.S. has traditionally been viewed as a safe harbor for investments if you put that together with the higher interest rates associated with the Fed's move um Lots of investors around the world have been pushed, pulling their money into uh, the U.S. And that means that the dollar is at uh, historic highs. Dollar is very strong. And that's good news and bad news. If you want to buy imported things, that's really good. If you're an American company and you're trying to export, that's not so good. So my advice is, if you've got your uh, your vacation to Ireland, um, uh, go ahead with it because the, the dollar is strong. Um, if, if you're a company trying to export, uh, well, uh, I wish you all the best of luck. And Matt, uh, let's turn to you because all that Charlie has said uh, has implications politically. We're now deep into the 2022 campaign season, about a month and a half from uh, the election. Um, how how have you seen this uh, impacting political races here in Michigan or across the country? Well, normally, of course, uh, bad economic news would be bad uh, for the incumbent party of the presidency and the governor, uh, which is the Democrats, who already should be having, uh, if historical patterns uh, remain, a bad uh, midterm uh, as the first uh, midterm of the new 
uh, president's uh, term uh, and after a somewhat uh, successful round of uh, policymaking uh, in, in D.C. Uh, and yet uh, we are not seeing signs of a traditional uh, midterm uh, backlash. Uh, that is, uh, we still uh, have a about even uh, generic ballot, about even expectations for the U.S. House and Senate, and because of redistricting in Michigan, relatively even uh, expectations uh, for our own uh, state legislature. And we have a governor's race, uh, which looks surprisingly sleepy and uncompetitive, if you believe the polls. Uh, that is, uh, the Democrats uh, appear to be doing a lot better than a normal midterm. Now, uh, 2018 was actually a normal midterm for uh, the amount of backlash that we see uh, to the president's party. So we, if you think back to 2018, uh, and it sure seemed like a Democratic wave uh, year, uh, lots of gains uh, in uh, across the country. That's actually was a normal sized gain for the out of um, for the out of uh, a power party. So Democrats could be doing a lot better than normal uh, and still not be doing well uh, in uh, the midterm election. We also have uh, the continuing problem with believing the polls. That is uh, in both 2016 and 2020, the polls were off uh, in favor of Democrats in some of the same places. Uh, the 2018 Senate race polls were also not very good, uh, although other uh, polls were uh, better. Uh, and we don't always know that it's going to be off in the same direction. So the 2012 polls in Michigan were actually off in favor of the Republicans. So uh, we never know exactly what is going to repeat. Um, but if you believe the polls, uh, a lot is going better than expected uh, for Democrats this year, uh, given the economic news uh, and given just the normal political patterns. People are upset about inflation, uh, but they are also upset about the abortion decision that was made by the Supreme Court. Uh, and uh, this is the rare cycle where uh, the abortion decision is which was a decision made basically by the party out of power, uh, was actually the biggest move uh, and the most unpopular move uh, made. So we are seeing a backlash, but it's not of the, the typical kind. Yeah, you mentioned both things that, uh, especially redistricting, that I think uh, many people, especially nationally, are not paying attention to here in Michigan, that will definitely influence the state house and uh, state Senate races for sure. I think that's an important factor. And then you mentioned uh, the abortion decision by the Supreme Court. We have one ballot proposal, uh, probably two actually, that will be uh, draw Democratic voters to the polls. You, you mentioned uh, the abortion uh, issue, and we do have a ballot proposal here that would secure the right to abortion in the Michigan Constitution. And we also have uh, one other ballot proposal uh, that would also secure voting rights uh, within the Constitution as well. And those are typically two issues that would draw out Democratic voters. And from my read across the country, voter registration is up, especially amongst women. Uh, and we've already seen impacts of the uh, uh, Roe v. Wade decision in states that uh, one would think uh, would not be impacted, such as Kansas. Well, that's right. And just to reinforce a couple of those points, uh, the Michigan State House and State Senate would uh, be unlikely to be competitive under the previous uh, lines. So they are competitive because we moved uh, from a very Republican leaning map uh, to a relatively even map, such that if the Democrats were to get more votes for the State House or the State Senate, 
statewide, they would be much more likely to win a majority of districts now uh, than they have been in uh, the past. And of course, uh, Michigan is the state where abortion should be the most uh, front and center because of the ballot initiative uh, that uh, will uh, that will enshrine uh, abortion rights in the Constitution if it uh, passes. Uh, I'm a little more skeptical that any of the other initiatives are going to raise uh, turnout, um, but certainly we have seen uh, effects of uh, the abortion decision uh, and obviously the Kansas referendum, which had midterm level turnout uh, for the abortion referendum uh, and uh, saw uh, big gains uh, for the, the pro-choice uh, side. Yes. Yeah, also, go ahead, Charlie. Also, the uh, the two candidates for governor in Michigan have starkly, starkly different views about reproductive rights, and uh, uh, th- that's uh, that's likely to generate some some interest. Yeah. And, yeah. And and they are taking advantage of it on the Democratic uh, side because uh, they definitely see it as, first of all, people don't really know who Tudor Dixon is. Uh, and so it's an opportunity to tell them one thing about Tudor Dixon, which is her um, a, a position on abortion. Uh, and it's part of a nationwide pattern. Democratic ads on abortion are up by like 50 times uh, compared <laughs> to, to previous cycles. Uh, and it has been uh, the number one issue in the last uh, few weeks. So uh, they are seeing an opportunity, uh, and especially in Michigan, because policy doesn't change very often this dramatically uh, in, you know, without uh, people having an expectation that it would and against public opinion. That's a, a sort of a rare event. Uh, and it has produced the backlash. Well, one of the issues regarding uh, the election here in Michigan or elsewhere across the country uh, over the last few years has been election security. And uh, with that, I'd like to welcome uh, Dr. Deborah Horner to the program. As I noted, Dr. Horner is with the University of Michigan Ford School Center for Local, State, and Urban Policy, and is Senior Program Manager on the Michigan Public Policy Survey. So, uh, so to those in our audience who might think, oh, they have a U of M person on. Yes, we have a U of M person on. As a matter of fact, we often partner at Ipser with, uh, Dr. Horner and her team at the MPPS and the Ford School, uh, even, uh, more, most recently, uh, providing support to the redistricting commission. So, Deborah, welcome to the program. Good to see you again. I, I know that you uh, have been involved with this uh, program since its inception. As a matter of fact, uh, help help to help to bring it to fruition. So you've been doing a lot of survey work of local government officials over the course of time, and uh, certainly this most recent one is uh, very timely uh, regarding election security. What what, what did you find out? Um, Hi. Yeah, thank you for having me on today. We uh, do a survey every year, um, sometimes twice a year, of local officials across the state of Michigan. It's actually a census survey. So we survey all um, 1,856 jurisdictions across the state, counties, cities, townships, villages, and uh, and we do it every year. Uh, We pick different topics depending on what's particularly relevant. We really try to focus on fiscal health a lot. But in 2020, um, we realized the change in election law based on the 2018 constitutional amendment that um, made a lot of revisions to election administration, like um, no excuse absentee ballot and being able to register on on election day, things like that. We're going to pose a lot of challenges to clerks. So we asked a whole battery of questions about election administration in 2020. 
um, and got lots of good data about what clerks thought was going to happen in November. Well, leading into this election wave, we thought we better check back in with them to see what they thought about election security, given a lot of the um, uh, subsequent to 2020 um, concerns around election security in the state of Michigan and uh, information, misinformation, uh, and, and um, you know, lots of, of scandal, honestly, about um, what is happening with tabulating machines and what's happening with fraud. Um, and so we wanted to go to the clerks themselves and find out from them what they were concerned about, what they thought might be problems for them in the election, and then how secure they felt their local elections were. Since the the townships and the cities in this in Michigan are the ones who actually run elections. Um, and what we found this year is a lot more confidence in election security and election administration in general than there was in 2020. Um, uh, what we found is uh, in terms of election security, we asked local uh, officials about their confidence in their final results, in their voting machines, in their voter rolls, you know, whether they thought the, those would be compromised during the upcoming election. And 85% uh, said, we are very confident in all of those things. We are confident that there will be no tampering or hacking or compromise of our voter rolls, our voter machines, anything that revolving um, the election security. And that was way up from only 63% who said the same in 2020. So I think the, the local officials really learned a lot of lessons in 2020, and they've seen a lot of this um, um, controversy around election administration over the past two years, and they have really buckled down and, and locked down their processes and been very diligent, and now they are really confident that they have the election security well in hand. Uh, there were only about 2% statewide, so, so a handful of jurisdictions who said they weren't confident that they were going to be able to have secure elections. Uh, they did say there were going to be some problems potentially um, looking ahead to November, but those were also really way down from 2020. So in 2020, lots of people were very concerned about recruiting poll workers, um, but, but I think primarily because of the COVID pandemic had just um, hit Michigan and they didn't know if workers were going to come out for the 2020 during the pandemic. This year, um, they're much more confident they'll be able to recruit poll workers, although there's still some concern, about 30% say that they are worried about getting uh, workers to the polls to make sure they can conduct the elections successfully. Um, but a lot of the other problems they thought they might have, equipment problems, poll worker errors, inaccuracies in their voter list, all that stuff is way down. They really feel like they've got the election administration stuff uh, well in hand. One of the things they are more concerned about than two years ago are things like disruption from people at the polls coming and, and causing problems. Um, and then also uh, with misinformation and disinformation about exactly how voting is going to be conducted. Um, yeah. So yeah. That, that disruption continues to be and misinformation continues to be. It's interesting that uh, they're, they're more confident on being able to recruit uh, poll workers. Of course, we know that probably both parties have been heavily recruiting poll workers as well. Um, and so that will be an interesting dynamic, I think, as to um, what might very well be more partisan poll workers than we have seen in the past, um, either challenging or ensuring that, that, that people that people can vote. So uh, was this across the board or were there differences between the smaller communities and larger communities? I mean, I know you, like you said, you survey across the entire state and get a great response. So I'm just wondering how this varied between our urban, rural and suburban communities. 
Right. I mean, that is one of the really nice things about our survey. We get back about 1,300 responses every wave. So it's like 70% plus jurisdictions across the state respond to the survey. So we get we can really drill down pretty deep into what's going on in specific types of communities. And, um, and yes, it, across the board, it, there's a lot of confidence in election security. So in smaller places, the very smallest places, places that have under 1,500 residents in their small township or their, their very small city, uh, say 87% say, yep, we've got this covered, election security is fine. Um, in largest places, with the cities and, and just a handful of townships that are over 30,000 people, 95% said, we have we are confident very confident that our election security is is well in hand our voter rolls our tabulators uh what we report out to the county at the end of the election night all of those things are safe um and in fact the, the just kind of overall that they're going to be able to conduct an accurate election small places are like 81% yes we're good uh large places 83% said yes we're going to be we're very confident we're going to have an accurate election this time around well, this is all uh, that's that's very good news that the, those that administer our elections are are feeling that confident. And, uh, of course, we'll see what happens uh, on Election Day and, and beyond as well. Uh, Matt, Charlie, are, are, what are we seeing across the country even in terms of election security issues? Well, I had a question actually about um, the you you said they are more concerned about misinformation. Um I know that you are also talking to uh, reporters um, trying to get out this kind of information, um, but you're also kind of going against this uh, track that that people may not sort of want to believe um, uh, these these findings uh, or their local election officials. So um, how how is the the sort of media uh, conveying these uh, findings uh, and and talk about kind of your own experience with uh how get, you know getting getting over people's uh misinformation or concerns uh or trying to address them yeah i mean so one of the problems is that that um some of the the, the concerns are out there about different jurisdictions right there there has been allegations about tampering and, and sharing of voting machines and and concerns about fraud right those those do exist out there but they're pretty anecdotal and so our survey looks statewide and so if we're looking at um, you know, 1,800 jurisdictions, well, it's closer to um, 1,500 with cities and townships, um, uh, those are very rare occurrences. So even if there is some shenanigans going on, uh, they they really are um, just spotty across state. On the other hand, we want 100% secure elections. We don't want any uncertainty about which elections are accurate and which ones aren't. And so there's kind of a, a dichotomy at play of the media wanting to play up the concerns and the controversies around the places that do have um, uh, strange things going on. Um, but then at the same time, we actually don't want anyone to have controversy or, or hacking or, or, or tampering with, with uh, the elections. And so uh, I think uh, my, what I want to get out there is that the clerks across the state are taking this very seriously. They are professional, you know, uh, uh, well-trained people who want elections to be run well. They don't want to have partisan bickering. For the most part, they are just absolutely laser focused on this um, and working extremely hard with themselves, their staff, to make sure that these elections are accurate and non-part, you know, not not um, biased toward anyone, and not allowing any kind of fraud, and being very careful about who can vote and, and what the people who are allowed to vote are the accurate, the, the correct voters. Um, so that's kind of the message I want to get out: is that although there is concern about misinformation, 
um, the, the, the clerks themselves are really want to reassure everyone that they're working hard to make sure that these are accurate and, and non-fraudulent elections. Very encouraging news. Uh, but, but, you know, while we're we still have a few minutes, I want uh, the, uh, the listeners to, to know that uh, Dr. Horner, the uh, Center for Local, State and Urban Policy at the University of Michigan has one of the great acronyms. The acronym is Close Up. So um, it is. Yes. And so we are close up in our local communities trying to find out what's actually happening on the ground in, in our in our various communities at close up. Um, uh, so, yes. But kind of going back, we, we have another piece of data that I think is interesting and we can talk about is. So I've just spent a ton of time talking about how local clerks are really confident. They know what they're doing. Their processes are locked down. Their processes are correct. But they also have concern about other jurisdictions across the state. So even though they themselves know my jurisdiction, my township, my city is 100 percent, we're ready to go. We're not going to have any trouble. They still in their minds have doubts about whether other clerks or other jurisdictions are going to do this right. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's not widespread doubts, but but it's way less confident. So kind of statewide, fewer than half say that same level of very confident in other jurisdictions. Well, that, that's, uh, that's pretty and That's not so and, good. So yeah. it does strike me that maybe clerks are, are, are uh, you know, can see with their own eyes what they're doing in their, in their own offices and in their own voting places, but they, they, it like um, uh, residents in, across Michigan, they themselves have a, a little bit of concern. Now there's only, I want to say that there's only like 11% who say they have no, they don't have confidence. Like the, the that other bulk of people are in them. Well, I'm somewhat confident in other places, but there is still, you know, even, even though they themselves will reassure everyone, my, my township is secure. My city is secure. They're still a little worried about other jurisdictions. And they say that their residents are concerned too. So we often ask local officials to kind of be good reporters for their local community. They, they really know what's going on. They have the, their, their finger on the pulse of, of what's happening with their residents. And they've told us that, well, our residents aren't really sure whether our, our election is going to be safe. Even though I know our election is going to be safe, their confidence is lower. Um, you know, there's only about half who say our residents are really confident in our election. So this misinformation is really a, a problem for our elections. Uh, you know, if you think about it just as a kind of a democratic theory of people feeling like they are having the decision-making in terms of electing their leaders uh, and, and making decisions on ballot proposals, if we don't have confidence that the election outcomes are correct, then that kind of is a really basic flaw in the system. And so even these clerks, even these people who are working day to day in their own jurisdictions to ensure complete accuracy, even they are worried about other people's elections and they think their residents are worried about their own elections. So it is a concern that we need to deal with kind of societally to figure out ways that we can reassure the populace and, and the voters that these elections are the correct outcomes that the that, that yeah everyone's preferences the the clerk's attitude reminds me of the uh the attitude we hear often that it's not my congressional representative it's yours that's the problem so uh that's uh that, that that's pretty familiar well dr horner i want to thank you very much uh for joining us today um greatly appreciate uh, your work with local government officials and the uh work that we do together from time to time well in only a couple of months we'll We'll know the election results, and so we'll be able to see what happened and whether people believe 
that what happened is what actually happened. <laughs> uh, Charlie's right. We'll get results soon. I do want to emphasize my usual message that um, the people should uh, participate and feel good about uh, participating. And sometimes the message that uh, messages that we send out um, are about uh, legitimate concerns. We don't like the way election rules were changed, or we're worried uh, that uh, that people have to people are going to be uh, suppressed in their voting. But uh, it is easier to register and vote than it ever has before, and uh, people should take advantage of that and participate. Yeah, I, I, I do think that that's a great point. And I think that you know whether you uh, supported or opposed. The recent Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade is a great indication of how every every vote does count, even at the judicial level uh, and implicating who gets to appoint what judges. So thank you both again. Greatly appreciate uh, your time with us this morning. And my thanks again to Russ White and the staff here at WKAR for support of this program. Join us again next month on State of the States. <laughs>